0: Well, hello and welcome to our Dinner Table Talks. My name is Joe Hilliard. And I'm Aislinn Campbell. And we invite you now to pull up the virtual chair to our dinner table where we have had
1: delicious foods and lots of great conversations. And we're
0: going to talk about all of it. So there's a bunch of show business to get out of the way real quick. Let's just hammer through a few things. Mm -hmm. Last week in Backyard TV, we talked about our chicken habit trails and promised a video. Yes. It's posted up on our Facebook page now.
1: That was fun. I enjoyed that moment.
0: We are going to be giving away that produce basket from Dagon Produce next week.
1: Next week it goes out.
0: And maybe we can do a Table Topics giveaway next week.
1: Oh, fun, fun,
0: fun. And we're doing something a little bit different today during recording. Right. We have agreed to record on Wednesday, release on Monday. Correct. Wednesday came and went. I don't know why we decided not to record.
1: You made plans with a friend in from out of town. That's
0: right. Wednesday was the night. Yeah. And last night, Thursday, we didn't record I we just I wouldn't feel in it I wouldn't feel in it either I, I I was just well we'll get into all the mental exhaustion going on
1: so you're not going to the movies I
0: used to go to the movies twice a week right sometimes during your, the day
1: beer in a movie podcast Yeah. beer in a movie podcast check it out online now I work at home now mm-hmm. so I can do whatever I want at lunchtime
0: so we decided to do it Friday at lunch and the question you asked was are we gonna drink a beer like we normally do
1: <laughs> yeah, yes a, we are
0: it's a beautiful Friday let's crack open a couple
1: I love this I think it's great.
0: It saves us some time in the evening that is pretty valuable.
1: Exactly. Mm. And if you're like me, by the time nine o'clock rolls around or 10 o'clock rolls around and you've done a day's worth of work and you've had had
0: an amazing dinner table talk.
1: Yeah. You had conversations at the dinner table and you've, you've cooked a meal and you've washed the dishes and (laughs) you've, you've made your three hour stew. You've hung out with your children so that they get a few minutes of you. Now it's, 11 o'clock at night, and you do, the last thing you want to do is, is do the fun thing that you actually do like doing.
0: You learn as you go. You learn as you go. You evolve as you Hands go.
1: Hands in the dirt learning. Yeah, society yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: learns as they go. You don't hold yourselves up to the standards of yesterday if there's a new standard that you need to... We'll talk about that later, maybe.
1: <laughs> that's the me that doesn't like the plan. I, I want to be able to shift the plan.
0: I don't have a plan that's so concrete that it's not able to, like... I said evolve.
1: Evolve, absolutely. So here we are evolving. Speaking of evolution, it's time for. Unanswered questions. Portland, Oregon has shown signs of evolution. We talked about that last week. And I asked the question so when did Portlandia, not necessarily the TV show, but the joke, Portlandia, become what Portland, Oregon is known for? Did you go get an answer to the unanswered question, Joe?
0: Now, at the top of this, let's say out loud, we have not been to Portland, Oregon, but it's on our wish list.
1: Agreed. We're going to get there for sure.
0: If you Google search, when did Portland become Portlandia?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Do you get an answer?
0: A ton of articles. Uh Uh-huh. Because Portland and Portlandia that you and I liked for a hot minute. Yes, yes. Have a very large love-hate relationship. And that tipped toward hate as the show continued. Season one of Portlandia, many people believe that it was the best season, maybe season two. Yeah. Came out so interestingly new and different. Uh Uh-huh. About everything that Portlandia talks Uh about, uh which is a heightened sense of social feelings about food and fun and leisure and what a city should do and cities should be and not be.
1: I have to agree, honestly. And I didn't take offense because I'm from Portland, but... There was some jokes made about the lifestyle that I was ultimately trying to live and to teach as well. And I think that's why I fell off of watching that show, was because it became a situation where it was...
0: Having to go to higher lengths to make the points?
1: Right. And it, bec- it went past the point of a joke everyone can laugh at, to the point of now you're just making fun of people that are trying real hard to live a nice lifestyle.
0: So Portland as the setting of the show that would become Portlandia didn't have to be Portland. There are a handful of, of cities and one of them I bet we'll talk about here, and we'll try to keep this brief, is Austin. Oh, absolutely. You could have had Austinia. You know, you could have done it in Austin. It's a city that has attracted folks that have the disposable income to pursue a higher quality of life in their own mind about everything I listed a little while ago. If I
1: think about Austin, though, that's my home. That's closer to home. I mean, I've never lived in Austin, but I'm Texan, and I've been in Austin all my life, Mm -hmm. and I think that could be a really good show, but I wonder whether I would find it offensive.
0: Well, Portlandia was so popular so fast that many people that would enjoy the show could see or believe that Portland, the setting, is exactly where I might want to live. Mm -hmm. That's where the beginning of the love-hate relationship comes from, because the people in Portland, a growing city that was attracting a lot of young people, Mm -hmm. will tell you Portlandia caused an influx of uh. residents that ultimately changed the town. Now, there's another school of thought, and this is where you and I...
1: Wait, hold on. Okay. So what you're saying is, is that Portlandia helped make Portland Portlandia.
0: No. The conceit of the show mm-hmm. could have happened in one of several cities. That they chose Portland, Oregon made the trajectory of Portland's growth shift and change and maybe grow too fast. Mm-hmm. If you look at season one of the show... Many of the folks that they were satirizing... The le- chicken
1: is my the one I never can never forget. Yeah, I have I to know the name of the chicken.
0: The lesbian owners of the bookstore.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was a real thing. Uh-huh. And in the first couple of seasons, they were involved in some of the local promotion of the show. But toward the end of the show, they were like, literally, Portlandia. We hate this show. Uh-huh. Because the folks that lived there began viewing the show as the reason why people were coming to visit and have a tourist experience. Mm -hmm. It also caused rent and, Uh, and rates of living to skyrocket. Right. It caused the gentrification of the city that was so popularly noted in the show to begin happening at a higher rate. Uh-huh. And of course, gentrification typically leads to not only a beautiful new coffee shop in an area of town where one did not exist prior, but uh-huh. higher rents for everybody around. Right. And, and, this, and these are the conversations the that you and I have had about Austin. Yeah. We're Texas folks. Yeah. So we go to yeah. Austin for a and weekend. And San Antonio,
1: we'll... for that matter. I mean, anywhere anywhere that has shifted quickly over the years. Exactly. You,
0: you and I love to go to Austin for a weekend where we'll take in a concert, eat at some farm-to-table restaurants, the concept of which doesn't exist in our town. Right eat that alcoholic ice cream that we talked about in the ACL episodes Uh and then come home, get out. Right. But we have seen as we have done that together for seven, eight years. And then prior to that, a shift and change of everything about what was cool about Austin now becoming capitalized upon.
1: Well, when you and I first met, you know that I was still pretty in alignment with what was happening with Austin. Austin was still what was the creative center of Texas, but still Texan, Mm -hmm. okay? But at about that exact time was when I went to my very last South by Southwest experience. Well, I say that for those of you that don't know much about the growth of South by Southwest, South by Southwest is a huge, very expensive to get a ticket, event that happens in Austin
0: brings people from all in over the world,
1: all over the world, and it's it's the creatives, it's film, the, music, multimedia, right, exactly. But one of the things that was great about it, and was great about Austin, was Austin was so interested in having this this experience for everyone, not just for the people that could afford those two thousand dollars. tickets, but everyone. So they would put on all across the city, every artist, every musician, everybody would come out and put on free events. Right. People go to Austin, even if they're not going to South by Southwest. You can't afford to
0: get into South by Southwest, Mm -hmm. but the peripheral bars and music places of which there are countless. Right.
1: So the last time I did that trip to Austin was 10 years ago. And I came home and said, nah, Austin's done. (laughs) It's over what we loved about now that may be because I'm, I'm 40 years old now and I was 30 then and I was starting to see the difference and you know, whatever. But I was like, good Lord, I don't want to go spend every weekend in Austin anymore. And when I was in my 20s and 30s, I wanted to go spend every weekend in Austin.
0: Well, when we first started visiting Austin seven, eight years ago, we would go to the food truck park. Mm-hmm. Which was novel to us because it did not exist where we live mm-hmm. and now that's been replaced with another high-rise residence
1: right and, the, and yeah. then the, the
0: path down Barton Springs to get to ACL you walk that mile
1: oh first and it's Street all been South changing Congress. into
0: more oh, high-end God. residential which raises property values nearby and pushes out the very thing that made that place attractive to live in to right. begin with so and that's it's,
1: our closest experience it's it's not to portland the portland only change, it's not austin
0: only it's happening anywhere gentrification occurs right. it just seems like there are certain cities that have figured out how to balance gentrification some kind of place some kind of limits on it before it occurs but we've watched it with all the hill country towns in texas fredericksburg is one oh, that leaps gosh. to mind where it used to be this that was awesome <laughs> that everyone wanted to go to and then it became this
1: everyone's here and now everyone's got
0: the same yankee candles and it it's just not what it was right portland was portlandia before portlandia the light that portlandia shined on portland was so attractive to people around the country and the world that portland residents will tell you it created a very negative vibe here Uh, oh bummer And the show is over, so now they can begin evolving into what they're going to be post Go back the other direction.
1: Well, I I can't imagine that some of the things that are going on right now aren't going to shift Portland very drastically also.
0: One of those values in Portland and Austin and other cities that we've traveled to around the country are farm-to-table food. Putting the best farm-to-table food on your plate at your dinner table because it's good and healthy. And we did that, of course, this week like we do every week. yes. Well, we got our Dagon produce basket,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: in it were 10 preformed hamburger patties. Now, I see this cut of meat at the farmer's market often. I do not buy it. Right. I buy the raw ground beef because I want to add my own spices and seasonings to the beef.
1: Uh, because we want hand-padded hamburger patties.
0: When you get <laughs> the preformed patties, I guess Joelle over at Dagon had told you...
1: Oh, you just said this particular one was a little too lean and that they weren't staying together well.
0: So make it into maybe a Salisbury steak or something like that.
1: I like Salisbury steak. I like smothered steak and Salisbury steak. And I can't eat bread, so I'm not eating hamburgers. That's not true. I can eat bread. I choose not to eat bread because I believe that it benefits my health.
0: Do you know what a Salisbury steak is? What makes it different than a ground beef steak?
1: You cook it for a longer time.
0: You're typically going to add some binding into it where you don't have to do that with a hamburger. Some people do. So that's where be maybe your breadcrumbs or your, an a, egg and yeah. then other spices and seasonings. And then you're typically going to cook it stovetop in a broth or sauce of some kind.
1: I promise you, if you go to any of the cafeterias, well, they're so. just generally Using this to Brown make a Salisbury gravy. steak.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you there. that I thought immediately of uh, the cafeteria that my parents would take us to whenever we'd uh, grow up, lubies in our area, when you said Salisbury steak. Something about cafeterias and Salisbury steaks go hand in hand.
1: That's the one. See, that's what I was suggesting was like a cheesy, oniony top on top of it. One of the things that had come in our basket was some really large cucumbers. I love cucumbers. I like the really small pickling style even if I'm just eating them. But one of the one of the things that I love is cold cucumber dill soup. There's a place in town here in town that makes it sometimes. It's one of my favorite things they make. And over the years I've discovered that when you get those bigger cucumbers, if they're good cucumbers. This is my let me give you some advice about local vegetables. Cucumbers don't do well in the heat when the heat sets in, your cucumbers turn bitter. And if you let cucumbers grow really big, especially cucumbers that aren't intended to grow really big, then they also taste bitter and they'll have big seeds in them.
0: You got this big, beautiful cucumber but it didn't taste like what you want it to.
1: Correct, and a lot of people that eat cucumbers from the grocery store don't like cucumbers because a lot of times they're bitter and they have huge seeds in them and they're just not great cucumbers. When big cucumbers come in, and there are good big cucumbers, the best answer of how to use them is not to just slice up 8,000 slices of cucumber for one small salad. It's to bake with it or cook with it or use it like an ingredient. So I suggested that we make some cucumber dill with it.
0: So Salisbury steak, cucumber soup, and... Black-eyed peas.
1: Black-eyed peas are one of my favorite dishes that exists. My favorite vegetables are the product of the gardens my grandmother grew when I was a child. Oh, I see. hmm Black-eyed peas. Um, the early introduction. Uh-huh. Mm. Pinto bean, green beans, a salad with cucumber, tomato, and onion. You know, just the things that my grandmother could grow in the garden that we got all summer long, and they were delicious.
0: So the Salisbury steak experience confirms my whole decision that I don't like to use those preformed patties, and I won't do that again if I ever make Salisbury steak again.
1: I think you just needed to stew it longer. that's that's the problem. You just didn't simmer them. Oh, long you enough. think that if yes. I had
0: put those yes. patties longer yes. into the uh, sauce that I made yes. to make the Salisbury steaks, it would have been a little more
1: Absolutely. that's exactly what mm. what would have solved the problem?
0: But again, my problem with these was the texture of the meat. I just didn't care for it at all.
1: I thought it was delicious. I ate it twice. I ate it leftover even.
0: Oh, I ate it twice. I'm not going to complain if there's cooked food into the in the house. <laughs> it's not even a complaint. It's just uh,
1: And if you think about that reinforcing that dish,
0: those old and, thoughts and that I had. We're
1: talking about like a stewed steak. It's like tomato based. This meal was a very summer garden fresh yeah. farm to table exactly the type of summer meal that everyone should be eating. Because it's a cold because the soup is cold Refreshing, and then you've got the meat with your tomatoes on it. Mm-hmm. And then your starchy food is another, you know, vegetable from the garden.
0: Now, you did what you do, and you found me a recipe. This was a five minute soup recipe. In other words, everything was raw the cucumber, the onion, the garlic, a couple of other things. And I think that we agreed after the fact that the flavor of the soup was fine but we would have preferred to cook a few of the ingredients before we blended it and put it back in the refrigerator to cool down.
1: Yes. So now at this point, I have had cucumber dill soup made in a few different restaurants. Then I've also had it made for me at the farmer's market one time. We brought in a chef because we had a ton of really large Armenian cucumbers. And I said, here, take this big, huge three pound cucumber. And would you make at the farmer's market a cucumber dill soup? Mm -hmm. And so he's made it. We've made it at least twice yeah. now. I think the trick is finding the right recipe. You're right. When we worked on it again the next day, because we had one more big cucumber, and I said, let's take this, what's left of this, and just add to it and make more. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't enough for everyone to eat. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that soup so much, I'd eat it every day, if it's made right. It was hot when you made it. People With, that with eat
0: spice or with? With raw. With Tim. Oh, okay.
1: People that eat raw onions or raw garlic or... Other types of raw foods. Understand what I'm talking about. Sure. In addition to that raw heat, it also had a pepper in it, which is great. I loved the pepper concept. If you're going to put the hot stuff in, there needs to be a little bit more of the cooling agent in it, which is the cream. We added more dill to it. Right. It just did not have enough dill in it. In addition to that, I believe you need to sauté the onions and garlic. I agree. The challenging part of that is that then that stuff's hot That's and you okay. don't want you, you to eat it that the day you got to eat it right. tomorrow exactly so then i ate the leftover leftovers three days later and it was divine oh is that right yes because it it i had the chance to melange, melange.
0: <laughs> now what about those black-eyed peas just like
1: a few episodes back we were talking about how the kids were starting to come out against squash <laughs> We're, it's black eyed pea season now. It's also okra season now, which means we're going to be eating black eyed peas and okra like with every meal mm-hmm. almost. Sure.
0: Peas. You just put two bags of frozen black eyed peas up in our freezer.
1: Well, those came from the farm and mm. I picked and shelled and snapped those to put in the freezer. And my mom's been doing the same thing, but we've also been cooking fresh. So that particular night, it was uh, the ones that I had shelled fresh and we cooked them right away from the Dagon basket, which came from the, the Amish farmers in Beeville.
0: And that is some pork fat. I used two slices of farmer's market bacon first. You're rendering that fat a little bit. You're making the juice of those pieces of bacon release and enter into the entire, say it with me, melange.
1: I knew you were going to say that again. I was just wondering if when you were going to say
0: it. Then you add your onion and your garlic, broth, black-eyed peas, salt and pepper, and then a fresh pepper or two, depending on your spice profile, and you just let them cook. Mm-hmm.
1: You need to practice on your black-eyed pea cooking.
0: I know that I do. Yeah. But that was and, a pretty decent start. They were a little overdone. They were a little mushy for my taste. I want a little give to that bean. I did them in the instant pot because it takes two hours to really cook them right.
1: Right. I knew when you started it, I was like, "He doesn't know how to cook black-eyed peas." Because I, in, mm. and then all of a sudden you go, "These things pick, have to cook for a really long time." I'm like, "Yes, they do."
0: <laughs> Everything's an education.
1: I know, and it's funny too because I well, in the past couple of weeks, I've talked about how you know the art of cooking better than i do but clearly you don't know it about everything and you learn it yeah because i oh, oh please i know how to cook black-eyed peas i've been cooking black-eyed peas my entire life i was the girl in college that would buy cans of black-eyed peas and that's what i would eat other kids eat ramen
0: right <laughs> yeah black-eyed peas were your ramen
1: exactly black-eyed peas were my ramen and then you took the last few patties and turned it into burgers the next day for the kids. And speaking of okra, we pulled that okra out and
0: oven roasted oven, it. Oven
1: roasted the okra. Make french fries. You basically, you burn the okra in the oven.
0: I like this meal so, because I learned a lot with it, mm-hmm. fed everybody, but learned a lot with it. How to make those black eyed peas better, how to make this cucumber soup better, because these are going to be staples. These are going to be rotations. I mean, Absolutely. they already are, I guess. As I, it's getting better and better and better at the things that really make us all happy.
1: As I am no longer in charge of running the entire local food system in Corpus Christi anymore, I now have time to just grow food for my own family. Right. And my dad's retired, and the farm has really upped its game in terms of production, and we're going to grow the things
0: that we most love to eat. And we're going to cook them here and eat them. That's exactly right. It's been a heavy dinner table talking this week, hasn't it?
1: All the conversations have been heavy, but we said... In the first episode that we ever created about what this podcast was going to be about was that the dinner table conversation, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we were going to do our part to kindly and thoughtfully talk about the things we're talking about the dinner table. And there is a conversation at our dinner table that we cannot ignore.
0: And that it comes on the midst or heels, depending on your point of view, Mm -hmm. of the coronavirus lockdown. Right. Which already had everybody on edge and already Mm -hmm. has a lot of people stretched, Mm -hmm. mentally stretched. Yes. For reasons that we've discussed on this show plenty of times. Add to that the national dialogue that blew up with the, uh, I was about to say death, but I'm very comfortable saying murder. murder.
1: Mm-hmm. of Carter.
0: George Floyd. Mm-hmm. We have not shied and we hope that you at your own homes with your own kids or whoever you eat dinner with mm-hmm. haven't shied from having real conversations and not putting any limits on where the conversation might need or be able to go. As things have
1: come up, we've allowed the conversation to evolve as the kids have brought it to the table. All of our kids including the college age all of our kids are on social media. They're all watching and sharing their thoughts and their opinions about it. And I got to tell you that in all honesty, I'm very proud of our children. I'm very proud of how they've responded. It makes me know that we've been teaching good values to our children, the core
0: values to our children. And it's not only limited to the dinner table.
1: No, right. Of course. The weekend comes... I've tried very hard to say I have thoughts about this, but I don't feel like I have the right to make many comments about it. Mm-hmm. it. It goes back to the concept that I needed to shut up and listen. I needed to shut up and watch. I needed to not voice an opinion about something that I didn't know what I was talking about. And then one of my friends came across with a live feed from a protest that had started in our city. Somehow I had missed that it was had come up, and I decided that, What I could do was to share it with my community. I watched it the whole time praying that a spark wouldn't light. And it did not. And I Mm -hmm. cried with joy for my city Mm -hmm. when I watched that and watched the way that my city... I have never in all the years that I've lived in this area ever seen my city come together and move so fluidly Mm -hmm. and so beautifully Mm -hmm. with a statement that could have gone really wrong. Well, it was going even going as across I was, the country. Even as I was watching that moment, I thought, gosh. No assholes, gosh, please. Oh, gosh. Please, please. And that's the fear. That's the 40-year-old fear in me. Because the 20-year-old wouldn't have been fearing that. Of course not. The 20-year-old would have been there mm-hmm. with the, you know, whatever's going to happen. I'm here to mm-hmm. fight it. You know, whatever. And I was so proud. I cannot even tell you how proud I was to watch that moment in time. And then in addition to that, to content, to keep it on and then walk to the dinner table with it mm-hmm. and then set it on the dinner table and my daughter, my daughter, our daughter, Savannah, your daughter, come in, sit down and say...
0: Let's watch this.
1: Let's watch this. Yes. Yeah. Oh my I'm gosh. I'm so glad you have
0: this on. Yeah. I, I would love to have been there. Yeah. All of our kids are like, yeah, I, we don't know what you old people are arguing about. What is the conversation here? Right. Liberty and justice for some. No, that's not what it says. I mean, these are like kids our kids words exactly you have said many times on this show through the corona stuff a shift is coming a shift Mm -hmm. it's in the wind Mm -hmm.
1: well and the collective consciousness got us to this point where will the collective consciousness take us now and i'm going to do my part to contribute to what i believe is the right thing for the collective consciousness and Talking about prayer with our kids more than I probably more than I've talked about prayer with my kids in the last 10 years. Talking about kindness and equality and white privilege. And the other thing that's been in the conversation is saying out loud to people, not on Facebook where every troll in America can say shitty things, but person to person with people that I love. Those things are not acceptable. And everyone has known me to be that way. For all my life. But I believe I have an obligation. I believe that the white woman that walked up when George Floyd was knee pressed against his throat by a, a white police officer had the obligation to get as close as she possibly could to trying to change that. Mm-hmm. Because we have that privilege. Any white woman in America understands that we have the highest privilege when it comes to police officers. We do.
0: More than white men. Absolutely. hmm
1: Absolutely. Every white woman in America understands. Yeah, y'all can cry and get out we, of tickets, and well, we can't. Yeah, unless we act like a complete and total, like, ass, mm-hmm. they're not even going to write us a ticket most mm-hmm. of the time. And you know what came up with to me when all this was going on? How many times my friends that have children that are African-American
0: mm-hmm.
1: have told me the fear, no matter what state they lived in, north, south, didn't matter, that when they walked into a grocery store... Or a convenience store, or got or pulled a, over, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That they better do everything right.
0: There's a different level of
1: because they will be followed around the store by the person that owns the store, or they will be, you know, asked questions that don't make any sense to be asked. Mm-hmm. That was a bubble I was in that I didn't understand that stuff, and I will tell you, I didn't understand it before five years ago, probably because I listened, began listening. Brene Brown has been talking about this. This has been her thing that she has said during this whole thing. And that is dehumanization. And she said, she has said that for years in all of her books, you cannot dehumanize people because if we allow ourselves to continue to dehumanize people, then some people that are not in their right mind will take that dehumanization to another level, which could include murdering somebody on the street in front of other people, because I've dehumanized this person so much.
0: I'm not even taking a human life.
1: Right. And so that conversation was important for us to talk about. And my my daughter, my son, everyone has come to me over the years and said, what? These are my friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like like you said, what is the conversation? Our, our kids are going, what is the conversation? Mm-hmm. These are people. Mm-hmm. These are humans. And the idea that fear everything about what I live for is to be the antagonist to fear-based living. Because fear takes us down a dark, dark road. And if all you do is focus on fear, then you are going to get nothing but the very worst coming at you. And the most important part about this whole entire thing is just to simply say that we can't ignore in the midst of the conversation and the idea that this podcast is about the conversations that are happening at the dinner table Mm -hmm. that these conversations absolutely are happening at our dinner table
0: welcome to our home and the conversations that we have so how is the conversation going at the nationwide dinner table yes well let me see how i do a segue here um okay how are you feeling about going out to eat these days
1: the thing about going out to eat these days isn't so much about being afraid of germs it's about the idea that i really liked. And you brought this up and more Americans are saving more money right now. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to save money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I want to be healthier again. I want to have more conversations, watch more movies together, spend more time together with my family, you know, all of those types of things. And so eating out as often as even a family like us that doesn't eat out as often as other families is too much. It's the spectrum concept that we've always talked about. We don't eat Twinkies from the convenience store. We don't run by the convenience store and pick up uh, a burrito, (laughs) but we also don't live off the grid and cook with the sun. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so somewhere
0: in the middle, I want to
1: move more. I want to move more towards living off the grid and cooking in the sun. Like maybe every once in a while we could cook something in the sun. That might be fun. (laughs) I
0: love you, but I don't think that a, you're going to get me to ever move to full solar cooking only. No, never. And, You're not going to
1: get me to move there.
0: <laughs> and V...
1: It already takes you too long to cook something with an actual gas stove. We
0: enjoy <laughs> dining out.
1: We do. And we like to get together for lunch on Fridays. Clearly, we're here having lunch and bringing the kids in, whichever kids are available. So we did get a chance to go out to eat lunch last Friday. To one of our pl- favorite places in town to eat lunch.
0: Nuevo Cafe. Uh-huh. Because
1: they have some of the best soup in town. And
0: I was going to say when you go to Nuevo Cafe and you've got a restaurant like this where you live you order poblano soup period now you can have something else <laughs> right. but if you go to Nuevo Cafe and you don't order the poblano soup you just don't like good food <laughs> no. what, what if are those someone
1: hasn't told you what you're missing out what on what
0: are those places that you like that are springing to mind for you listening the place that has the best pecan pie when my friends come in from out of town and they want pie I'm taking them to this place fill in the blank right the best enchiladas, the best, the best is.
1: chicken fried steak. Well, this
0: is the best poblano soup in town.
1: Yes, agreed. And they also have really, really good pimento cheese, which is one of my favorite things to eat all
0: my life. This is the soup by which I will measure any attempt I ever make to make poblano soup. And I have a couple of times by until I eventually eclipse and make mine better than theirs. But I haven't. This is the best poblano soup you can eat.
1: Someday I'm going to grow poblanos. Big enough for you to make poblano soup at home.
0: You're growing a lot of peppers now.
1: I am, but I don't have any poblanos taking off. I'll figure it out eventually. What I've been getting lately is an avocado stuffed with pimento cheese. Mm. They also make hand-cut, hand-fried or baked potato chips. I Those love are homemade delicious. potato
0: chips at a restaurant that does it right.
1: They also make delicious homemade pickles.
0: So you're a pimento cheese. Mine is the uh, club sandwich. Which I know you never get because it's going to be lunch meat that's dirty. But also because it's boring. Boring. Well, they only put a honey mustard on it and uh, they got home. No, I'm not bread. saying theirs is
1: boring. I'm saying club sandwiches are boring.
0: Pimento cheese isn't boring?
1: No, pimento cheese. Who eats pimento cheese besides me and other Southerners?
0: It's so boring, nobody wants to. No, it's delicious. If you make anything right, it's good. And both of these sandwiches were fine. <laughs> we had the kids with us and then I got a quart of the poblano soup to take away to my mom. Who, of course, is still in uh, Corona quarantine at the place that she lives.
1: We did take her out this last weekend. We
0: did take her out this weekend. We took
1: her on a little adventure. It was her first time
0: to get out since my father's death, since the whole Corona lockdown. She had a hospital stay in the middle of all of that. We took her out and had a delicious meal out. We like to eat out. I'm not going to let you say anything otherwise.
1: You like to eat out. When I met you, all you did was eat out literally yeah. your whole family and if you and we've talked about this before on the podcast and that is that you you don't have a favorite meal that your mom cooked uh, because I, I love you, you. Ate out all this of the is time. a
0: straw man argument yes when you met me i ate out more often than you did but if you're trying to use that as the reason why you're gonna say that you don't like to dine out this is just a lie
1: uh, we, we talked about this last week if i can choose between dining out or you cooking me a meal at home cook me a meal at home just do it as good as some of the places in town do. It.
0: I just want to make sure I understand your argument, and then we can move on to table topics. Your desires are to have me cook a restaurant level meal at home, yes, or that we all go out and eat a restaurant level meal. That's it. There isn't. That's all that you're looking for. Just those two things. That... Take
1: those two. Re- take those delicious recipes mm-hmm. or a copycat version of them, okay. and add to them the local fresh food that we have access to. Mm-hmm. By the way, they have access to it too. They
0: just don't. They elect not to use it.
1: Yeah. Well, they say it's because of the cost margin and yada 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 yada. I'd spend more money at a restaurant. You and, think people yeah, in yeah. Corpus
0: Christi, if you added added three dollars to that sandwich, would pay for it?
1: I think that they I use don't. that as I think they use that as an excuse, and it's not real.
0: I'm not going to argue with you, baby. But we can always agree that poblano soup, well done, is a good route to go.
1: I agree. And it's nice not to have to do the dishes. That is the truth.
0: (laughs) That is the truth. Do you want to play table topics? Yes. Okay. Last week I did that bachelorette party one. You're Miranda. In that bachelorette party table topics package is also love and happiness. You want to try one of those? Sure. I got a question for you. Okay. How do you like to be cared for when you're sick? You don't just have like a little sniffle that is you can live through. I'm talking about you're down on the couch or you're in the bed. You're actually, you know, sick.
1: I don't like to be asked 800 times how I'm feeling. I mostly want to be left alone, mm-hmm. but I also want
0: to be served. How does a life partner, whoever that could be, balance the two last things that you just said? I want to be left alone and I want to be served. That could be a difficult proposition for a life partner of yours.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Why don't you tell me about it? <laughs> because I don't want to focus on the sickness. I want to focus on the healing, right? So if I have to tell you every five seconds, How oh, I still have it. Yeah, exactly. That's where your energy is. Right. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Can we move on and mm-hmm. just focus on what we're doing to get better? And so what I want is for you to say, I'm on my way home from work. I know you're not feeling well. I'm on the way to the grocery store. What can I bring you from the grocery store? Mm-hmm. Or I'm getting out of bed right now to go cook you some breakfast because I know that you need a good meal. Or I'm running to the grocery store because I know you need... Orange juice. Orange juice, right. yeah. Or or some kind of symptom-relieving medicine. But leave me alone. Okay. Let me wallow in my own now, illness until I get better.
0: This is you describing to me the kind of if you will nurse that you want in these situations
1: yeah stop bothering me
0: is there well (laughs) not bothering you but certainly running errands for you potentially or i say well i say that when you you use the
1: term nurse i say that because all i can think about when you say nurse all i can think about is being in the hospital when the nurses are driving me batshit crazy the whole time i wish they would just go away okay (laughs) when that's just generally how i am like leave me
0: alone let me ask you a question before i answer Am I a good nurse?
1: Yes, you are.
0: Fetch the things that you need, cook meals for you that you require to get through this hardship. Yes. Are you a good nurse? No. What do you mean? I just leave you alone. And I'm not going to... Where's my trip to CVS and where's my breakfast that I have bounded out of bed to cook for you and your need? Where is it? Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: I guess the problem is that you would rather tell me everything that's going on and me wallow around with you or like.
0: No, either... I want to be left alone. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. I've got the flu. Come get in bed with me. That doesn't happen. That's no, never happened. I don't happened mean one that.
1: Time. I mean like, like a higher level of asking you, is everything okay? Are you okay? I don't okay? want you to what ask you me, are you
0: okay? Are you what are okay? You, that's what you not need. what I want. Do you want to know how I like to be cared for when I'm sick?
1: Yes. Tell me how you would like to be cared for rather than telling me how I'm not doing what you like.
0: Well, no, I think you admitted that you don't like to do what I like.
1: You asked me whether I was a good nurse or not. Right. And I, I said, no, I'm, I'm not.
0: A, I like to be cared for by hiring a nurse to do all of the things that you won't do for me.
1: Okay, hire a nurse. So here we are
0: evolving. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Dinner Table Talks. If you want to get a hold of us, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Or our website, www.dinnertabletalks.com. There you can leave us a voicemail and listen to all the old episodes. We hope that you're enjoying listening to Dinner Table Talks as much as we enjoy creating it for you. See you next week.